We are in the middle of chapter seven. I think uh, last night, did we start chapter seven last night? Yeah. All right. And we spoke about the mafside habitochen, things that have a bad effect on bitochen, that are detrimental to bitochen. Um, and basically what we're talking about was, I mean, I chose to use the, the term uh, cognitive limitations, where a person's worldview is sort of immature. And uh, whether it's because they haven't learned about Hashem or they haven't learned enough Torah in general or because they have a narrow-minded view of life. Remember, that's what we spoke about last night. Um, these things all make it really hard to develop one's betochen. And now, what we're going to speak about tonight, Bezos Hashem, is more about developing that worldview and I guess sort of like expanding one's mind in order to get better and better at betochen, sort of a, a, an evolution or a, a development of the mind uh, that goes hand in hand with working uh, the betochen muscle. So let's continue here. The main principle of the matter regarding betochen. The more one knows about Hashem, the more betochen one is able to have in Him. Also, faith in Hashem's protective care and His bountiful, abounding providence and... Uh, and his goodness. One has to know all of these things. And how does one know them? By, by learning them. In order to, to have proper betochen. So, uh, I mean, what we're essentially des- describing here is that don't think that betochen is just intuitive. Don't think that either you were born with it and you have it as a talent and you have this innate betochen, or you don't. That, that, that's not how it works. Of course, there's an innate capacity for betochen, which is, you know, that's by dint of the, the godly soul. We have that. But you have to develop it. And developing betochen is developing a certain cognitive capacity. It's a mental development. He's going to explain. He's going to explain how it's really, it's, it's, it's mental maturity. A child, we're talking about an infant, at the beginning of his life, he trusts in his mother's chest that he nurses from, a nursing baby. Like it says, you secured me at my mother's bosom. So what, what does that mean, he trusts in it? I mean, he's not so sophisticated to, to articulate it as trust, but the point is, where does he look to when, when, when he needs his needs met? When he's hungry, this is, this is to him, that's what takes care of him. But when his perception grows stronger, when he matures, now he transfers his trust to his mother's attention. So before, it was very, very concrete. His mother's 
Muslim. That's what was taken care of. Now it's more, it's his, it's, it's his mother. And it's, it's not just mother. It's mother's attention, her attentiveness. Like it says, Surely I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is with me like a weaned child. Okay, the child who's not nursing anymore. So now, instead of thinking, you know, the, of his, of mommy in a very concrete way, uh, he thinks of her in more of a conceptual way. But still, his betochen is in mommy. That mommy's going to go out and buy him whatever it is that he needs. Okay. Now we're we're thinking that's very childish. Yeah, it is childish. He's describing a child, but it's a step above having betochen in his mother's bosom. This is at least he has betochen in, mommy's going to go to the store and buy you groceries. Okay, it's a, at least a little bit more advanced than the previous worldview. Okay? Now let's, let's keep going. We're going we're gonna to follow a progression. When his intellect matures even more, and he starts to notice how his mother relates to his father, now he transfers his trust to his father. Because then he realized that when his mother went out for groceries, she asked his father if she could borrow the credit card. So, ah, oh, that's, that's where my betochen should be. It's almost, you know, <laughs> it reminds me of Avram Avino, right? Trying to figure out what's, what's the ultimate power. Who, you know, that's worthy of, of worship. Is it the sun? Is it the moon? Right, okay. When his body matures and he becomes adept at supporting himself through labor or trade and the like, so now he's able to work for himself, you know, he's like eight years old, and you can send him to the coal mines now. Now he transfers his betochen to his own power and his own plans. Because of his ignorance about all that preceded of Hashem's benevolent governance. In other words, he still doesn't have the Hashem peace. Okay? He graduated from thinking it was his mother's bosom, then he thought it was his mother's ability to go out and, you know, take care of him. Then he realized, oh, maybe it's my father. Then he says, no, actually it's me, because I go out and I work, and I have a job, and that's how I, you know, that, that's what takes care of me. It's still a very immature worldview, but he's, <laughs> he's in the right, he's, he's going the right direction, okay, let, but let's not stop. See, a lot of people have arrested development. They worked their way up. They weaned, you know, but they didn't get much further than, than weaning. And they're, they're stuck somewhere in the process as far as where they place their betochen. I think this is the third Echad Menachsidim story in Shara Betochen. It says about one of the pious ones. He had a, a neighbor who was a skilled scribe. And he supported himself from uh, practicing his, his craft, his art. By the way, somebody told me, I don't know if there's any Arabic speakers here, that the term uh, Mahir, Sefer Mahir, is actually a Lashen Apostolic from Tehillim. Lashani eight Sefer Mahir. Somebody, the word Mahir doesn't mean uh, quick, quick or swift. 
in this Pasik. It actually means expert. Sefer Mahir means an expert scribe. And somebody told me that Mahir in Arabic means expert. Anyways, I don't know if anybody can corroborate that or do a little Google search while we're, while we're uh, learning, but uh, yeah, just interesting trivia. I don't know. You know that Chavis Lavos was written in Arabic originally, yeah? Everyone, everyone knows that? Yeah, we do know that? It was originally written in Arabic. What? Ibn Tibbun. Very good. Avram Abba. Avram Abba is sitting in the bullpen. We're going to bring him out a little bit later tonight in Mirza Hashem. But uh, that's right. Ibn Tibbun was the one who translated um, Rubina Bachaya's Shara Betachin, or the whole Chavis Lavovis, from Arabic into Lashon Kedish. We spoke about that in lesson one. Very good. So he said to him one day, one day the pious man said to his neighbor, the expert scribe, he said to him, like, how are things? What's up? Amalai told him, pretty good. As long as my hand is intact. You hear what happened? He says, how are you doing? He says, hey, pretty good, as long as my hand is intact. Remember, because he was an expert scribe. So he needed to have his hand know about the guy who went to the doctor. He says, doctor, after the operation, will I be able to play the piano? The doctor says, yes, certainly you will. He says, oh, that's great, because I can't play the piano now. Okay. I don't know if I told that well. Uh, told it okay? Doctor, after the operation, will I be able to play the piano? Yes, absolutely. Oh, great, because I don't know how to play the piano now. Tell it better that time. Okay, so the, the, the pious guy asks his neighbor, he's like, hey, how, how are things? He's like, hey, as long as my hand is in good shape, everything's absolutely fine. That's what we call famous last words. On that very evening, he shattered his arm. Shattered it. Shattered. And he never wrote again the rest of his life. His life. And this was his punishment from Hashem for having placed his trust in his arm. So this is an example of a person who's still stuck at that phase of development where he graduated from thinking security comes from his mother's bosom, and then he thought security comes from his mother's ability to shop for him. Then he thought it was from his father's ability to pay the bills when his mother shops for him. And then he thought it was from his ability to earn a living. Well, that's where that Sefer Mahir was. He thought his security in life came from um, his ability to write. Yeah. And by the way, in case you want to be negative and say, oh, this was a scary, bad, mean story, this guy thought his hand was his security, and God punished him by shattering his hand. I just want to mention, it doesn't say the guy died of starvation because he couldn't make a living anymore. Maybe he went on and he was very successful, but just not through his hand. <laughs> the point is, he thought without his hand, he can't make a living. Okay, so now he doesn't have his hand, but maybe he still made a living. He doesn't say whether that happened or didn't happen. My point is, Hashem wasn't taking away the guy's livelihood. Hashem was just pointing out to him the error that that's not how his livelihood was coming to him.
ואם יתוכן לי תרפי על ידי זולוסי מן הבריאיס, יושב ביטחני עליהם ותנוח נפשי עליהם. If a person obtains his livelihood through other individuals, he transfers his trust to them and comes to rely on them. Still going up the ladder, right? Oh, maybe we shouldn't worship the sun. Maybe we should worship the moon, right? Okay, he's still working through the Aveda Zoro ladder. So it's not me, it's my boss who pays me to do this skill. So then therefore, my betochen is in my boss. Now, how is this different than the previous stage? He no longer relies on his own skill. He's relying on the, the, the person who pays him to do the skill. The Teva Lavonin points out that uh, he thinks that even if he loses the skill, so the boss is going to be so benevolent, he's going to continue to take care of him, right? And we all know how, um, how well that works out. When you think that after the, uh, after the company uses you to the point of exhaustion and can't extract any more labor from you, go see whether you can rely on their benevolence. All right? Yeah. Anyway. But let's keep going, because he's not done yet. But when his intellect matures even further, and he sees their deficiencies, the deficiencies of these things that he's been trusting in, and their need for the Creator, that people, the people he's been trusting in actually all need the Creator, then he's going to transfer his betochen to the Creator. And then he will rely on him, on Hashem, in matters beyond his control, and in which he has no alternative but to surrender to the divine decree. Kameh, for instance, Yeridas HaGishamim al the rain falling on the crops, V'alichas Hayam, or the uh, sailing of the seas, V'alichas Hamidbores Me'ein Mayim, or uh, crossing parched deserts with no water, Uvavei Shetef, or the outbreak of floods, binfoil hadever bachayim, or the outbreak of pestilence. And all sorts of things that people have no control over whatsoever. Like it says, At the time of their distress, they, they cry, Arise and save us. They cry to Hashem, which would be the appropriate thing, because no human power is going to help you there. Now, he finally got it. He, he, he realizes he's got to trust in Hashem. But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're going to keep going. Next stage of development is, if he matures even further in his understanding of reality, he's going to start trusting in Hashem also in matters over which he does have some control. See, first, he, he, he relied on Hashem. What can you do? There's no choice. You got to rely on Hashem. Then he's going to realize, hold on a second, I can declare unconditional surrender a lot earlier. You know, I don't have to hit rock bottom and be painfully reminded of my powerlessness. I can recognize my powerlessness at an earlier stage. havos <laughs> 
Hamiyagos es hagufim. For instance, earning a livelihood by dangerous means or in exhausting occupations. So there you have somewhat of a control over whether you take such a job. But he's going to say, hold on a second, what do I need it for? I need to endanger myself in order to make a living? No, Hashem can take care of me and I don't have to do crazy work. And he'll leave aside these means of making a living, trusting that Hashem will provide him with an easier occupation by which to earn a living. All right, wow, he's, he's getting better. Let's see, let's see. He's going to keep growing, though. If his concept of Hashem grows, develops even further, he's going to trust in Hashem in all matters. The demanding difficult things and the easy things, even in the easy things. You don't have to say, Oh, when life gets really difficult, then Hashem is my ace in the hole. Then I'll rely on Hashem. Even with the easy stuff, you can rely on Hashem. And his aim in employing them will be to serve Hashem and fulfill his commandments. Tevelavonin explains that his trust is not just that Hashem can find him an easier way of making a living, but that even when he has an easy job, he has to put his head completely into it. No, his betochen is that he can have a job and he's only doing that job because that's the way that Hashem wants to sustain him. Meaning to say, he doesn't have to put his mind deeply into it. When his conception matures further with an, with an appreciation of Hashem's concern for his creatures, he will accept in his heart and with his tongue, outwardly and inwardly, whatever Hashem decrees for him. You hear what he's saying here? The next stage is that not only is he going to only bring his requests to Hashem, but he gets to the point where he doesn't even need to make requests because whatever Hashem picks for him, he knows is good. You choose. You choose. Whatever you think is good for me. He'll be happy with whatever Hashem brings him, whether death or life, poverty or wealth, health or illness. He won't desire anything other than whatever Hashem wants for him. He won't want anything other than what Hashem wants for him. He will totally give himself over to Hashem. And he will give over his soul and his body to Hashem's judgment. And he won't prefer one matter over another. 
And he won't choose, meaning he won't want to be in any other situation than the situation he's in right now when it comes to worldly matters. Now, obviously, when it comes to spiritual matters, he can be discontent because he can say, I'm not enough of a mensch. I'm not doing enough for Hashem. I want to be better than I am currently. But when it comes to material things, whatever it is right now is perfect. I don't want to be in any different situation than the one I'm in right now. Like one of the people with Betochin said, I never got up in one situation. I never woke up in the morning being in one situation. And desired to be in another situation. I never got up and woke up and my life was one way. And I said, hey, you know what? I wish I were waking up with my life being different than it is. That's betochen. That's betochen. We got to the point where not only he goes to Hashem with all of his requests, but at this point, he doesn't even need to make requests. Because whatever Hashem is choosing for me, I know is better than anything I could dream of. You know, the Baal Shem Tov says about the Pasuk, Shavisi Havayla Negdi Samit. It says in Tilim, Dovin Amalek says, Shavisi Havayla Negdi Samit. I have placed the Lord before me at all times. That means God consciousness. I'm always God conscious. So he says, Shavisi Maloshin Shave. Shave means equal. Hain Valav Shoven Loi Begashmias. That yes and no, meaning positive or the negative having or they're not having, shavinloi is equal to him in, in material things. So how do you know shavisi avayla negdi summit? I've placed the Lord before me at all times, meaning I am thoroughly God-conscious, being God-conscious the opposite of what? Self-conscious, right? Self-consciousness, self-obsession, self-centeredness, that's the opposite of being God-centered. So if you're self-centered, then hein valav are not shavinloi. If you're self-centered, then your life is constantly fluctuating up and down because depending on the service that you think you're getting from the universe, whether you're being treated the way you want to be treated or you're not being treated the way you want to be treated, so then this is going to set your emotions up and down and fluctuating according to the service that you think you're getting. That's if you're self-centered. But if you're God-centered, summit, I've placed Hashem before me at all times, my entire focus is God-consciousness, then hein v'lav shoven light whether you eat yummy food or not yummy food. These are the examples that the Baal Shem Tov gives. He gives two examples, actually. He says, whether you eat yummy food or not yummy food, whether people compliment you or insult you, it makes no difference, meaning, meaning emotionally. It's not going to make my day based on the treatment that I'm getting. Whatever Hashem brings me, it's perfect. So this is what one of the Baitchim said. I never woke up in the morning and said, hmm, if my life were a little different than it is right now, sure would be a lot better. No, I, never, I never thought that way. Now, you're going to say, well, I have thought that way. I thought it this morning. <laughs> okay, fine. So now this is why we're learning it today. This is why you learned this right now. So that tomorrow, you can try to not say that. And if tomorrow doesn't work, you try the day after tomorrow. And you can try the day after tomorrow, 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 you know, Eber Morgan. You keep trying until we can finally get up in the morning and say, Hashem, may the Ani, I'm really actually giving thanks. Real acknowledgement, real gratitude, which is, 
whatever you have in store for me, it's beautiful. I just want to show up and be present for it. All right? And that's why this moment is called the present. Because Hashem's giving you a present. And we have to give Him our presence. Okay, that is not the end of chapter 7. There's still more. And we still haven't reached the top of the ladder of development. But we're going to hold off there for tonight. And continue Amir Tzah Hashem tomorrow night. Oh, somebody has a question here. Hold on a second. Aha. Here's the question. I'm going to read the question out loud. I'm not going to say who wrote it. I don't even know who wrote it. But You keep asking us, so I'll tell you. Because I keep asking you, hey, what's up? How are you guys doing? So I'll tell you. Baruch Hashem, doing okay. Uh-huh. I thought you were going to say, as long as my hand is good, I'll... <laughs> you, knew, you knew not to say that. Okay. Baruch Hashem, doing okay. Frustrated that in life we don't get to a plateau where we've made it. <sighs> not after marriage, not after kids. Why is the Shalom Bayez journey still having ups and downs and challenging so sometimes? When does it get easier? Baruch Hashem felt like sharing things. Okay. You're so right. You're so right. When do we get to rest? When do we ever get to rest? I'm going to tell you what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said regarding Parshas Vayeshev. The name Vayeshev means resting, settling. Vayeshev Yankiv. The Medrash talks about Yankiv after everything he went through. He had to run away from home because his brother wanted to murder him. His twin brother wanted to murder him. And then he goes and he works for his father-in-law. His father-in-law rips him off. And after everything that happened to Vayeshev, he just wanted to settle down. And then his beloved son gets thrown in a pit and sold into slavery, right? He could never rest. And the Medrash says, Hashem is telling him, you want to rest? In the next world you'll rest. But everyone spoke about this about the fact that there's just no rest. It just, it never ends. It never ends. So someone wrote in the chat, when we die. Okay, yeah, I mean, if you want to be morbid, <laughs> you want to rest, you can rest when you're dead. All right, but I want to be a little bit more uplifting than that. And not just to make people feel good, but for the sake of actually being accurate. We need Mashiach, because enough already. Enough already. It's like the whack-a-mole game. You're pounding down these little things. Just when we get one thing settled in life, something else pops up. That's the nature of Gullus. And it's insanity, and that's why we need Mashiach. And then we can finally rest. We're not going to have all these issues cropping up constantly in life. But then you're going to say to me, but hold on, isn't it good that we should always have challenge and then we have to overcome it and then we push back against it and then we grow. Yeah, 100% right. But there are different kinds of challenge. Look, even in Elam Haba, it says, They go from one strength to the next. But that's a positive way of not having rest. So, we need rest from our troubles. No question, we need Mashiach now. And then, if you want to have growth, you want to have constant development? It can be all in a positive way of getting to know Hashem more and more and more and more, just as Hashem is infinite. So 
progress that we can make in getting to know Hashem is infinite? And that's the answer to that question, very much Bekitza Nimrutz. Okay? Fine. So that's where we're going to, that's where we're going to stop for tonight with chapter uh, 7. We'll continue Mitzvah Hashem tomorrow night.